0: Today, we continue our series, Rebuilding Blocks, looking at Ezra. We're going to be in chapter 9 today, and today's sermon is titled Shame on You. Uh, And basically, what we're looking at is how we approach God with our repetitive sin. Now, if you're breathing, if you're in our audience today and you're breathing, some of you may be like, I'm not breathing so well, Uh, I'm not awake, but if you're breathing, you're struggling with sin. Okay? It's just part of the human condition. If we're alive, sin is part of our lives. It's a struggle that we have. And I think most of us have some sins that we're really good at. Maybe it's lust, maybe you tell little white lies, maybe you have sticky fingers, maybe it's anger, maybe it's laziness, maybe it's envy, maybe it's gluttony. Um, Southern Baptists, we all struggle with that at times. Maybe you're a real pro and it's like all of them. You're like, hey, I just sin really well and I do all of them professionally and it's a skill that I have. But if you sin and you do, we need to know how we bring those sins before God when we are approaching Him, asking Him for forgiveness. And Ezra chapter 9 has a beautiful representation of how we should approach God with our sin and the attitude that we should have. So we're going to look at Ezra chapter 9 and we're going to see that approach. So without further ado, the lessons to be learned. First is this mourn your sin. Mourn your sin. Ezra chapter 9, verses 4 and 5 says, Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there utterly appalled until the time of evening sacrifice. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and I lifted my hands up to the Lord my God. You see, sin, whether yours or someone else's, should be mourned. It's actually part of our recovery process because sin brings death. And anytime death is present, we should mourn that loss. And there's a fine line that we can walk because sometimes what happens when we mourn sin is we just hold on to it and we never let it go. That's not the proper way to mourn, right? We, we should have a time of mourning and then work to move beyond that grief. And, and this is how we need to approach sin. When we sin, we disappoint God and we let ourselves down. And, and that hurts That hurts. That's why we feel so bad when we do sin. Because we know that we've disappointed God. We know we've let ourselves down. We know that we're not where we're supposed to be. And so we feel pain. We feel pain. What's happening is that we're turning our backs on the holiness that was won for us by Christ on the cross. And any time you turn your back on Christ, it's painful. And mourning is a proper response to our sin. To me, it sounds like something that we should mourn. After all, to mourn is the action of feeling or showing deep sorrow or regret. Feeling or showing deep sorrow or regret. See, the worst thing that we could do when we sin is act like it's no big deal. The worst thing that we could do when we sin is just say, well, Christ has got me, right? Or God's got my back. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I sinned and and so what? That's not how we're supposed to approach these things. We look at Ezra here. He tore his clothes, which was a common practice Uh, Back in the Old Testament, and we see it sometimes in the New Testament. It occurs at least twenty-three times that I could find in Scripture, and it frequently occurs in light of sin, just like it did in Ahab. uh, Just like it did, or when when Ahab did it in First Kings twenty-one, he experiences people sinning. He tears his clothes, just like it's happening right here in Ezra. When we mourn sin, here's the important part about it. When we mourn sin. It shows that we understand the cost of our actions. When we mourn sin, it shows that we understand the cost of our actions. Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Luckily, however, we have that gift from God, right? So, here's what we can't do. We can't say, well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and therefore my sins are covered. And I can just go on sinning, right? Scripture addresses that too. No, we have to turn our backs on that old way of life. And when we sin, we must mourn our sin because we know that we are turning our backs on God. I think I've made that pretty clear. So the first process, when we go to approach God with our sin, with something that we're struggling with, we need to mourn our sin. And it's okay to do so. It's okay to do so. And it's an expected response. And it shows God that we understand what our actions have done to Him. It shows God that... We know that we've disappointed him. It shows God that we know we've kind of turned our nose up at him and and, and walked away from him. It was the same response that Adam and Eve should have had in the garden and did. The second thing we must do, the second lesson we learn here from Ezra is this. We must surrender, pray, and express our shame. Surrender, pray, and express our shame. Starting again at verse 5 and going through verse 7. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees, and I lifted my hands to the Lord my God, and I prayed, O oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, we have been steeped in sin. That is why we and our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We have been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced, just as we are today. A particular interest in this passage is the physical position that Ezra took when he spoke these words to God. He hit his knees and he had his arms outreached. He was on his knees with his arms outreached, his hands in complete surrender to God. It's exactly how we should approach God in regards to our sin. Too often when we're caught in a wrong, we try to explain that wrong away we bristle at the idea of taking full responsibility. I've sinned, but here's how I can justify it. Here's how I can justify it. Well, I lied to them, but I really did it to protect them. So it's okay that I did that. It's okay that I did that. Right? We can't afford to have that approach. What happens is the excuses, they start to build in our minds, and we start to justify our actions. We start to think of all the reasons why it's okay, and then we, we, maybe we come to God, but we don't quite fully lay it out, and we just explain it away. God, I know I did this, but this is why I did this, right? We just can't have that happen. Ezra could have done all those things. He could have sat there and said, this isn't my sin, because if we read the story, Ezra didn't actually sin in this instance. He was praying to God on the behalf of others, And praying on behalf of their sin and mourning their sin and coming to God and just laying it out before him of all that his people had done. You see, Israel over and over had this process where they continued to do the same thing. And really, that's what we all do when we struggle with sin. We get in these repetitive cycles where we continue to follow the same patterns over and over. And we should learn our lesson. And Ezra's expressing that. We've done this over and over again, God. Over and over again, we've turned to to pagan religions. Over and over again, we've turned our back on your commands for us. Over and over again, we've let you down. And we find ourselves in these terrible situations, and we should have learned from it, but we didn't. And that's why it's important to express our shame. Ezra could, again, have, have, have bristled at taking full responsibility. He could have justified to God why he sinned, but instead he took the position we should all take, which is that of beggar which is that of beggar. Listen to me here. When we approach God, when we come to God's throne with our sin and we lay them at our feet, the only position we have any right to take is that of beggar. The only position we have any right to take is that of beggar. Because we're sitting there dying in our own sins and our own mistakes. And if it hadn't have been for what God did through Jesus on the cross, we would be left To death. That would be our only possible outcome. And so when we approach God with our sin and we're laying them before his feet and we're asking him to forgive us and and help us overcome these sins and to take our guilt and our shame away, which he will and can do, we have to make sure that we're approaching him with the right heart and the right mindset, not as somebody who's deserving of this forgiveness, but a beggar who is just hoping that God will show us the love and grace that he says he will, because in the end, he is the righteous, moral being, and we are the corrupt, sinful creature. And once we recognize that and we can fully accept that, then we can come to God with our heart on the line, on our knees, with our hands outstretched, saying, God, forgive me, for I have sinned and I have let you down, and I know that the wages of those sins is death, but my hope and my prayer is that you will forgive me for what I've done, that you will forgive me for what I've done, we take our sins to God. We are just that. We are beggars. We, we have no demands to list, no reasons that are justifiable, just a complete disregard for our appearance. What I mean when I say that is one of the reasons I think that we struggle so much to just fully admit our sin and to lay everything out before God is because of our pride, because we don't want to completely just bend over backwards and say, I'm broken and I need to be fixed. And God, I need you more than anything right now because I'm continuing to fall in this pattern. No one likes that feeling. None of us like to do that, right? It's our own sinful pride, but nobody likes the appearance of being weak and broken and less than. But without Jesus and without God and without his grace and without their forgiveness, we are all those things. We are all those things. So come before the Lord with a humble heart Being contrite and laying out everything it is that that you need Him to fix and correct in your life. Approach God with the hope of the forgiveness that we will receive. Isaiah 66 2 Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word those are the ones i look on with favor those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word see if we want god to hear us if we want god to forgive us there's a certain sincerity that has to be present when we're seeking that forgiveness and that sincerity can only be present if we come to god in a humble attitude ready to completely lay out all of our wrongs. Which is why we have to follow the third lesson that we are taught here in Ezra chapter 9. To be specific. To be specific. In Ezra chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, as he's just bearing his heart to God, on his knees, hands outstretched, taking the position of a beggar, he comes to God and he says, but even so... We are again breaking your commands and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Won't your anger be enough to destroy us so that even this little remnant no longer survives? O Lord, God of Israel, you are just. We come before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant, though in such condition none of us can stand in your presence. We can neither properly mourn sin or properly surrender and express shame for vague sins. I want you to hear this. We can neither properly mourn nor properly surrender and express shame for a vague sin. When you sin, you need to be as specific as possible, both when you're expecting and hoping for forgiveness from God and when you're doing that with other people. Right? When you apologize... It's important that you apologize and express exactly why you're sorry. I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? If you're a parent, you've done that. Or if you've had a parent, you've heard that, right? Hey, mom, dad, I'm sorry. Well, Why are you sorry? Right? They want to know that you know the, the reason why you should be sorry. And I don't think that God is any different. When we come to God, we say, God, I'm sorry for all of my sins. What sins? What exactly are you sorry for, child? Right? Because God wants to know that we know in our hearts and in our souls exactly what it is that we've done wrong. Exactly how we have caused our own deaths, Exactly how we have separated ourselves from Him. Because to God, honestly, that is the worst possible thing that can happen. Not that you yourself would sin, but that your sin causes separation with Him. God was so upset with Adam and Eve in Genesis. Not because they sinned, not, not alone, right? It wasn't just because they did something you told them not to do. It's because now that you've done this, we can no longer be together. And so often I think that that's the, the thing that we fail to see with God when it comes to our sin. It's not that God is so angry with us because we've done wrong. It's because that wrong separates us from him, because he loves us so much Because he looks at us as his children. And the last thing that he wants is to be separate from you and from me. But when we sin, he has no other option but to be away from us. That's why he sent Jesus. Because Jesus had to die on the cross so that that separation could be repaired. And even now, this is the Old Testament, Jesus hasn't come yet, right? But, but even now when we sin, even with the blood of Jesus covering and being the atonement for our sins, while we try to hide our sin from God, we are still separating ourselves from him. And we cannot afford to do that. And the only way to truly sh- express our shame, the only way to truly mourn the same for our, sh- our sins is to be explicit and descriptive in the sin that we've committed. In the sin that we've committed. It is so important that we are specific. During our confession of sins, it's not I lied. Or, let me rephrase. During our confessions of sin, when we are confessing sin, it should be I lied. God forgive me. I sinned. I've told a lie. This is the lie that I told. Not, well, Lord, I was less than honest today, and if you would just forgive me and wipe away my sin, because I feel really, truly bad about it. Right? When we express our sins, it's I stole. I stole. I was at the store today, and I took something that didn't belong to me. Or I stole money out of my mom and dad's wallet. Or whatever. Right? I stole. Not... Well, God, I used something without asking today, and I just, I feel really bad about that. And if you could forgive me for that and help me not do it again, right? And we can, we can list any sin that it is that we've struggled with. But what's important is when we are expressing this to God, that we are specific about it and that we are just open and honest with it. Because when we're able to do that, then we're able to recover, when we're able to to just lay it all out on the line and not have any more secrets in our heart, then that's when we're able to recover. If you've ever been in any type of relationship at all where you've had conflict, you know that you can't truly move on until everything is out in the open. Until absolutely everything else is laid out in front of that person. With God, it's no different. And with God, God, frankly, that, that, if we don't want that with everyone else, which we certainly should, we should definitely want that with God, right? God should be the last person that we want to hide things from. God should be the last person that we try to hide things from. God should be the last person that deserves to be lied to. Because honestly, when we're vague about the things that we are needing to apologize for and needing forgiveness for, really what we're doing in that process is lying. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to that other person. And we're trying to explain away our sin. That's really what's happening. Right? So when we don't say, God, I lied, rather, I was less than honest, we're trying to hide things. We're trying to be deceptive. We're trying to be less than honest because it makes us feel better. But when we are in the position of being the person that needs forgiveness, it's no longer about our feelings. It's no longer about our feelings, it's about our life. Life, and the only way that we can receive life, and the only way that we can go on truly living is to have everything laid out before God. So Ezra here in chapter 9, on behalf of the people, he does all these things. He mourns their sin, so much so that he tore his clothes. I want you to think of that expression of grief. He tore his clothes and he just sat down. In the dust and in the dirt and sat there for hours until it was time to offer a sacrifice. And then when he did that, he stood up only to go back down to his knees. And he opened his arms in front of God and just fully expressed his shame and the guilt that he felt even for a sin that he did not commit. He, he mourned the sin on behalf of the people. And then he told God exactly what it was that they did wrong. Just so that God knew that he knew and that the people knew where they turned away from him. And it was at this point, and it's at this point in our approach to God when we're seeking out forgiveness for our sins, when we are confessing our sins, it's at this point that not only does forgiveness occur, but that we can start to recover and rebound and turn our backs on the sin and not on God. And that is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal in going to God and laying our sins at his feet is yes to maintain or receive forgiveness, but to get to a place where that sin no longer has a stronghold in our life. And as long as we are trying to keep some of it for ourselves because we don't feel good about our actions or we are ashamed of what it is that we've done, as long as we are holding on to that, then sin still has a hold on us. Sin still has a hold on us, and so we have to be able to let that go. If we can do these three things that we've talked about today, then forgiveness can and will be ours. If we look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. In Proverbs, 28.13, we're told that people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, then they will receive mercy. If we want to forgive, to receive forgiveness for our specific sins, then we need to confess our sins in a specific way. We need to confess our sins in a specific way. You know, too often I think I maybe have done myself a disservice and the people that I've preach to you a disservice because I haven't properly talked about the right response to sin because there is a wrong response to sin right and that's when we we feel guilty and we feel shame about something but we continue to just hold on to that sin and we don't bring it to God and so I maybe have been too flippant at times to say well forgive yourself and move on right let it go and move on and that's not a bad thing but it is if we don't take the time to properly mourn the wrong that we've done See, the reason that God gives us this process, the reason that that process is there in Scripture is so that the relationship can be healed and that people can move on. But this process has to take place in order for us to be able to move on properly. What I don't ever want us to do is get to a place where we just write our sin off like it's no big deal. Where we say, God, I've sinned and it was wrong and I'm sorry and I'll do my best not to do it again. And then tomorrow we do it and, God, I'm sorry and I sin, and I'll do my best not to do it again, and then tomorrow we do it again, and we just get in this cycle where we continue or flippantly asking for forgiveness because we know that forgiveness is what God wants for us. We know that because he sent Jesus to die for us on the, cro- on the cross. Don't know what just happened there. And we, we just get to this place where we, sin becomes not a big deal to us, and that is not okay because sin is a very big deal. Sin is a very big deal. Sin ruined God's creation. And the only person who's going to be able to fix that creation and will someday is God. But sin is that destructive force in our world. All the things that we have conflict about, all the reasons that we fight, all the things that separate us, all the things that we hold on to so dearly that that we look at and we say, nobody better tread on these things or I'm going to be up in arms. All of that is present because sin is here in our world. All of it. All of it. Because the life that we were supposed to live was supposed to be with God in the garden and it was supposed to be wonderful and it was supposed to be perfect and it was supposed to be exactly what heaven we are told is one day going to be like. But sin is what separates us from that world and from that life. And so it is important that we mourn our sin when we sin and that we feel properly the guilt and shame that's associated with it. But then also understand that once you express your specific sin in a specific way to God, that it is now your job to move on from it. Because the one thing that God did outside of all the other things that God has done when he brought Jesus to the earth and when Jesus willingly came to the earth to die on the cross, the one thing he did was break the chains that bind us to our sin. And so... When we go through this process and when God breaks those chains, it's important that we don't pick those chains back up and continue to carry them around with us because that's what happens when we continue to carry our sin away. It's not that God hasn't forgiven us. It's not that he hasn't done what he said he will do. It's that we literally have looked at God after he's forgiven us, after he's broken those chains, and we picked them back up and said, I'm going to continue to carry these with me. And that's not what we were supposed to do. I hope today has meant something to you. I hope today has taught you something because I learned something this week. Right, or at least I should say God kind of refocused me this week on, on my approach to sin and how I think we should all look at sin and how we approach him with our sin. Hopefully this is beneficial to you. And hopefully if you're one of those people who struggles continually with sin and struggles with holding on to your sin, you you will see today and you'll see this process and you'll start to implement it and you'll start to find the freedom that God really wants to give you. Because it is there for all of us, but so many of us struggle to find that freedom that Christ won for us on the cross because we just can't quite get over our sin. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we don't properly mourn it, we don't properly express it, and we don't really turn it over to God. So if we can focus on those three things, I think our lives will be changed. I think our lives will be changed. And I find it to be very, very beneficial. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Lord, we just, we lift our sins up to you. I pray that you convict hearts today and that you open minds to just being willing to lay everything out before you. God, when we do that, when we put everything out on the table, and when we just focus on on being honest with you and seeking forgiveness and, and, and mourning our sin and recognizing the destruction that it does in our lives, God, then we can move forward. And I pray that you will help us see that and help improve our walks with you and with Jesus as we just continue to grow and learn and, and express our sin in a way that shows that we are truly sorry and and just really want to move on from it. Help us to have the courage to approach you with our sin, to lay them at your feet and to just be open and honest with you. It can be scary because you are God and we don't want to let you down and when we do we are ashamed but Lord when when we mess up, when we fall short what you want from us is the truth. What you want from us is humility. What you want from us is to take the position of the beggar and just lay before you with our arms open saying, God, forgive us and God, make us whole again. And and you desire to do that. You desire to forgive. You desire to make us whole. You desire to help us move on. So God, help us to start acting and moving in this direction. We lift the rest of our worship up to you today. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to be up here and I'm going to worship. I'm going to have my mask on. If you need to pray with me for any reason, come tap me on the shoulder and we will go pray. I think that's important. I would love to pray for you. You will find no judgment from me. If membership is something that you're interested in, you say, I love Crosspoint Fellowship. I want to be a member of our church come talk to me at some point. It doesn't have to be right this second. You can grab me after service, and we'll talk about the process and kind of start to, to get that process in the works. If you need salvation, if you say, man, you know, I realize that I've never actually ever expressed to God the fact that I'm a sinner, and, and I need to do that, and I want His forgiveness, and I, I want to live my life walking hand in hand with Jesus, and, and I need to experience salvation. Don't leave today without coming and seeing me. Maybe you're one of those people who needs to rededicate your life, which I find tremendous value in. Maybe for so long you've just been off the right path and salvation was real to you and you experienced it, but you haven't really been living life the way that you're supposed to and you want to make today the day that you commit to getting back on track. Come see me. Otherwise, stand now and pour your heart and your soul out to Jesus.
1: i
2: Have a seat. I'll do, do something that we don't normally wouldn't do at this point, but I'm just gonna—we're just—the band's just gonna keep playing for about a minute or so, and um, I just want to give you a chance to maybe, maybe for you, you haven't confessed a sin in a long time maybe it's been weeks it's been months um, and you just say man i just need a second just to speak to god and just confess and to get it off my chest and to to be specific with him and not just say forgive my sins but forgive this sin that i committed this morning this week this in this last month or i can't get rid of this sin it's 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 it owns me and i need i need release i need help from that um, Maybe this is your chance, your one chance this week to do this. So I, I don't want to rob you of that chance. Um, we're going to play for about a minute. Just close your eyes. Just, uh, just between you and God, just, um, just speak to him. Confess to him. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting to hear from you. forgive us we've wronged you help us to lean on you for forgiveness to lean on you for just to to, to not dismiss sin to not move past it to not say oh well I, I messed up again God will forgive me but to like to actually just to to wait and to sit in that shame and beg your forgiveness but also to to move forward and to say, I'm not not gonna let shame rule me, I'm not gonna let this despair control me. Um, You remove shame from us in the same way that you remove sin from us. By your cross, by your resurrection, we have power. And that power is given to us to, to do things just like this. God, help us to be honest with you daily, daily just confessing our sins to you and knowing that that you forgive when we confess specifically what we've done. Let's sing this song about the victory that he gives. It's great. He gives it to us gracefully out of his mercy because he loves us. He loves you so much. The Lamb of God makes us alive again, makes us alive again. Sing me, sing me. Behold the Lamb of God, my sin, who takes away my sin, who takes away my sin. to kill is my victory a cross meant to kill is my victory amen all because of his blood we're going to sing one more song this morning just a a tremendous song of victory um that we don't have to have fear anymore. Um, that's what shame brings, right? Is fear of, of what will he do to me, right? What will God do to me? What have I done to, to break my relationship with him? Um, what is the punishment for my sin? But the word tells us that the punishment is not there. God's taking it away from us. Propitiation, right? God has stepped in and, and absorbed the penalty on his own body, his own blood and has taken that away from us, and we don't experience that punishment anymore. Um, this song says, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. God's love is so powerful to take away our very fear. And so I want to end, this, end with a this song this morning. Would you stand with me? Let's sing this together. i So good. His love is so pure, so so powerful for us. I hope that this isn't the last time that you confess this week. Um, That's my challenge to you this morning. Before we go, is just just don't stop confessing. Don't stop telling Jesus exactly what you've done. Be very specific. Um, That's one thing that I I definitely hit home with me this morning. Is I need to be more specific in my in my ask for for you know petitioning Him for grace and forgiveness. Um, Do that this week. Know that God's love. Uh, when we stand in it, it it drives off all of our fear and shame. Um, If we confess, He is faithful to forgive. Uh, We'll see you next week for some more uh, Talk on Ezra. Thanks for being here.